0: The Weird Mountain Gals.
2: Ring, 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 ring.
1: Well, that's a bright and shiny new ring.
2: Why? Cause my kitchen, y'all, I'm I'm recording today from my kitchen. My kitchen smells like collard greens cooking. It smells so good.
1: Mm. And we all know why.
2: We do. We which because I love collards, number one, but also number two is because New Year's Day is coming up and I got I got an armload of collards today. I felt like Miss America with her big old bouquet of roses. There she goes. There she goes, The <laughs> collard queen. Um, so I brought them home and because, you know, they won't fit in the refrigerator. Right. <laughs> so I chopped them up and started cooking them. And so, oh, my kitchen smells so good. And so I'll have collards for supper. That'll be delicious. And then I'll have plenty of collards for
1: the day. Do you ever uh, do anything with the juice that you cook the collards with? I drink it. You drink? I think I you told me that one time.
2: I, I probably did. Um, Chris Smith, I don't, if y'all don't know Chris Smith, you need to know he's the craziest little man. He's the king of okra, and he has written a wonderful book on okra. And he knows everything there to you know about okra and every variety, and he grows it, and he loves it, and he pickles it. He's just the okra man. Well, now he has become the heirloom collard man as well. And oh. uh, and the offshoot of So True Seeds is doing this thing, this heirloom collard project. And he is just, he's so enthusiastic about everything. And he was asking on that page on Facebook, so I, I think I'm going to try making a drink out of collard juice. And I was like, yes, get on it. Because I will pour all that liquor off <sighs> into a big old jelly big old jelly jar, and just drink it because it tastes so good to me. It's so green and delicious.
1: I actually thought you were joking when you said that the first time. I, we talked I, about I, this on another podcast, remember?
2: I, yep, because I tell people that all the time. They don't believe me. They go, well, you mean that just the water you cook the greens in? Yes. Because how is that different from tea? Not it's at all. Not.
1: It's,
2: it's green not. green leaves that that are in water. Boiled
1: I in water. never thought of that. And I'll so bet it's healthy. Oh, I'll let you cook them the way my granny did with, you know, all that fat back and ham and, and stuff in them.
2: Yeah, well, there are a couple of pieces of streaky meat in there. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> but when I make it normally for us just to eat because we eat it a fair amount, I just use a little bit of olive oil and salt. I don't use the pork in it. Because that yeah. way I can, you know, I can serve it to anybody that comes over that oh, eats yeah. collard greens. Oh, yeah. Not everybody likes pork, but everybody, yeah. everybody I know likes collard greens, I guess. I don't know. Most
1: everybody I know does. Some people, I've heard some people say that they're bitter, but they they just have never had good collard greens, I believe is what it is. Yeah. Now, you might want to mention, you said earlier that you'd pour the liquor off of it. The reason you said that is because we refer to that as pot liquor. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's the water around greens that you cook, and it's called pot liquor. And I had never heard that either myself until, I guess, I don't know, I was probably in my 20s before I'd ever heard it. I was oh, and as a no, lesbian no, no, lady.
2: <laughs> I grew up he- hearing it called pot liquor or liquor.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I'd never heard that term. I had gone to work, and, you know, I always had a bunch of jobs Uh multiple jobs at once. You're a multitasker. That's me. I was working as a lunchroom lady at a junior high school as my second job. And it was the hardest, roughest work. It was like construction work. I'd be wet from head to toe with sweat by the time I'd come out in the afternoons. But it was one of the best jobs as far as just working with the best people. Those folks were truly what I would call salt of the earth. They dig in and work. they teach you how to work hard. I was 24 years old. I was highly capable of being lazy if I was allowed to be at 24. And I was around these people who were my grandma's age and they were working in this lunchroom setting and they were just busting their butts all day long. They just worked from the time they walked in the door till the time they left. And if somebody needed some help, you wouldn't even have to ask for help. They would just automatically go and help you. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah, I love that. Love that. I so appreciated those people. But I used to pick up a gal up in Shiloh on my way to work in the morning. I'd pick her up so that she didn't have to ride the bus. Her name was Shirley Dubard. And she lived in Shiloh. And she, she would tell, I'd say, Shirley, what are you going to have when you get home for supper? Oh, now. And she'd tell me and then she'd say something about pot liquor. And I, mm. Shirley, what is fi- finally? I asked her what pot liquor was, and she laughed. She just thought that was hilarious that I didn't know what it was. Child, she said. Child, <laughs> I love that woman. She passed away a few years back. She was a great lady. Oh, uh, <laughs> I love it when
2: people call me pe- call me child. Child.
1: <laughs> she called me. I'm child.
2: Gonna start, I'm at the age now. I'm gonna start calling people child.
1: You child, should.
2: You should. You really listen should. Listen up now, child. <laughs> you hear? That's what everybody always said. All the old people said when I was little. They'd say, they'd finish whatever pronouncement they were pronouncing on you. And they'd finish it with, you hear?
1: I've heard that you hear? <laughs> I've heard that too. So, yes, so let me ask you, thinking about Shirley, have you ever had somebody that you worked with that was just like, you just admired the shit out of them for oh, the way yeah. that they worked hard and who. Oh
2: yeah, definitely.
1: Were, were you younger or older when when you met that person?
2: I was younger.
1: Were they your I, boss?
2: I'm i I'm gonna be honest with you that as I've gotten older, I've found that people are are not so ready to do hard work. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, and maybe that's just people I run into, but.
1: I don't know it could just be the standard and stuff but did you have anybody who had a big influence on you when you first went into the working world
2: gosh you know it's so hard to say went into the working world because I've mostly been doing arts management and art stuff so I don't know is that the working world
1: yeah, maybe. I would consider it the working world. Cause you know why? Artists are so cutthroat when it comes to business sometimes. They either don't know anything about the dollar and don't want to know, or else they're just like, pay me now.
2: <laughs> well, I tell you, you gotta you gotta be that ladder if you're actually gonna get paid. Yeah, if you wanna way, want to way too ready. many times I've gotten cheated out of something and I thought, huh, well maybe if I just had a contract. Yeah. And hadn't done that as a handshake deal.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, handshake deals don't... I wonder if they still even exist in the business world.
2: Oh, gosh, I wouldn't think so, because we're so litigious that, you know, you would you'd do a handshake deal and somebody come back six months later and say, well, where where's the contract? Yeah. That doesn't count if you didn't sign a contract. Yeah. I don't know, though. I don't know. Because like we- I said, I mostly have done... I worked retail for a number of years, but that was in a bookstore, so it was not the same as working retail out in the rest of the world. How come? I don't know. I've admired people that have not been my boss that work really hard, people that I know. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, I don't know that I, I, I've admired my bosses. I mean, I've liked my bosses well enough. I don't know that I've admired a lot of them in the way you're talking about, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I've had I've had some good bosses. I've had some bad bosses.
1: You learn more from the bad bosses than the oh, good yes. ones, don't you? <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Well, I I always learn from. Uh, I, I am always more instructed by someone else doing something badly than doing it well.
1: Yeah, because then you say, "I will never do that." If I ever You're get the right. plan, I'll never do that.
2: I don't know if your brain works this way, but my brain works like, oh, man, that is so totally effed up. Yeah. Now, let's back up and figure out how we could have done better to do that. What would have been? Were there places we could have branched off and done a different thing? Was it a timing thing and it was just what it was going to be? I don't know. I always like to kind of puzzle that out.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what makes a good manager. Maybe. I don't know no being a good manager is it's um it's really work well a good
2: manager is like a good editor they are worth their weight in gold
1: yeah i believe that i do and they mean so much to people and they don't realize it but then you see i see i use that middle management area where they're not really managers no they get to have that name they get to be called a manager but because that way they'll take on a whole bunch of responsibility, but really there's one manager above them who's the real manager. I feel Mm -hmm. sorry for the ones that are those middle managers. I've been that person in the past and it's like, well, I worked twice as hard, it seemed like, than my boss and I got half the money and none of the credit. Exactly. Uh, and
2: And also that whole layer of middle managers that you were part of, yeah, seventy percent of them weren't doing their jobs, so you were doing all the jobs. Yeah, of all those people that were laying around and having their two martini lunches because they were a manager.
1: Yeah, it so was. It, that was one of those effed up situations, as you would say. Yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know, it helped that that I was able to transition out of that. But for I was in that manage that kind of management job for a long time, it's like, wow, they just really you had to own the job, but you really didn't get paid enough to own it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember whenever everybody else wanted to be out of work for a holiday or something, that's when it was a guarantee that we would have to be working. So yeah. holidays became this holy grail. And, and local festivals, the Apple Festival specifically, was was a holy grail for me because in the hotel business, I had to work that thing. I had to deal with travel and tourism, and our whole tourism year would partially revolve around it and stuff. And mm-hmm. I never got to go and enjoy it.
2: <laughs> well, it was like Share, remember that? that okay. we used to do, uh-huh. And I worked for the Arts Council the whole time almost the whole time that was going on and we were responsible for the entertainment. So Uh, I just, I had to go and make sure so-and-so showed up at stage three and I had to go make sure this thing happened over here. So I never did really enjoy Bellshare. There's mm -hmm. too many people and they wouldn't get out of my way when I was working.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have my own Bellshare stories, but, and Bellshare started out as one thing and it became so successful that it just, Successed itself right out of uh, existence. Share started <laughs> out as a downtown revitalization project in the early '80s and '70s.
2: '70s.
1: Well, well the revitalization project was the '70s.
2: The first thing it was called Hallelujah Asheville.
1: Was it? Was that
2: Belcher? Yeah, it was. It morphed into Share,
1: Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, I remember it
2: was a down, downtown street festival with entertainment. Yeah
1: little downtown festival. And then when my family got a little more involved in it, would have been, I'm sorry, I'm old. I was thinking it was after that. But no, you're right. Because uh, hot air balloons. Do you remember? There were the hot air balloons yeah. at Share And it was a big deal. Yeah. And then down on the city square in front of front of the courthouse. Uh-huh. And they had when a balloon. we still
2: had a city county square that you could do something in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And we would do this thing called a balloon glow and that's Mm -hmm. where the baskets were there and they would put the flames and the envelopes would go up and but nothing was off the ground and there would be a parade and the parade was a big deal every year.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: And then they they morphed into or excuse me, they started using some of the artists from the downtown after five into in Belchere and it became music and food and booze. And by the time it finally died a horrible thrashing death, it was probably (laughs) one of the most loved outside of the area and hated inside of the area events. It it, It just
2: got too big.
1: It got way too big and way too big. and And it did it without any conscience. And part of it was the, the leadership. And part of it was just stars in their eyes and the money and all of this. And, you know, they started out doing it for the right reason, which was to help the downtown situation and the merchants down there. But by the time it was over, the merchants were signing petitions asking them to go away and to take Bell Share outside of the city of Asheville because nobody, you lost an entire weekend of business if you were a restaurant or a business that was blocked. Mm-hmm. and most all of them were. Yeah, you know, because they were selling beer as vendors, and that's where they made the money. So they didn't care if the restaurants were selling beer. They wanted the local restaurants to buy to buy one of those whatevers and sell their own beer or donate it. I think the beer would get donated to charities a lot of the time. The money from yeah. the beer, excuse me.
2: Yeah. Usually whoever got the franchise for beer sales, it was, it was a big local charity like Manna or something like yeah. that.
1: Yeah. And, and that had something to do with the, the insurance and the licensing, I'm sure, but they, they put these vendor booths up and they would basically block the entrances to the local stores. Which is crazy. It's just, I mean, why would you ever do stuff like that? But they just grew too big. And do you know my favorite festival in Asheville? Which one? You're going to laugh. It's Organic Fest.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love
1: Organic Fest. Now, Organic Fest is over. It's last year was last year. Yeah. So it'll never come back. But it had a nice 15-year run. And of course, there's Shindig on the Green, which is not really a festival; it's just a an ongoing show. We we are lucky in Asheville to have all these great musicians coming through and living in the area, so we've been spoiled for forever as far as that goes. Don't you think?
2: Well, I do, and that was one of the things that got the locals against Share, is that they decided they were going to bring in a whole lot of outside entertainment. Yeah. And- we didn't, we didn't need anybody to come in from outside. We had, we had plenty of people, and, and they always had, like, one big act or a couple of main acts mm. to draw people in on a Saturday night, but they just stopped hiring a lot of local people, and that, that pissed people off.
1: Well, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on with Bellshare. You know th- thing,
2: the thing that I really liked that they did for a few years and haven't done since was first night Asheville.
1: Oh, that was a long time ago, wasn't it? It
2: was, but it was really beautiful and a lot of cities were doing it. Like I remember Boston did it and mm. uh Savannah, I think did anyway, a bunch of cities did, and it was this sort of family friendly uh New Year's Eve celebration where uh the galleries would be open and restaurants would be open oh, yeah. and you know, all that stuff. It would and people would get dressed up and wander around downtown.
1: Well, you know, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna set my, set my goal to to attend that in Asheville next year. So maybe we'll figure out some way to blink and make it manifest. If I was Samantha on, on Bewitched, I would just go, and boom, it would be there. But I would love to see that come back. I would love. Oh, it was
2: to see that. wonderful. Yeah. Well, and I remember the, um, the, balloons. Got, got stolen away by um, Greenville. Remember Greenville along? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. All I the do. balloons
2: went down there. And I don't know what that was about, but...
1: I don't know. That was another whole batch of stories there. Hey, speaking of stories, here's a good one from our listener, Sonia.
0: I wanted to tell you a story. Kennedy has been talking to someone in our home named Bob since she could talk. He wasn't always named Bob. She would look uh, beyond her high chair and talk to someone, and she would say, No, it's mine. It's mine. No. But there would be no one there. And then when she was two, she would look at the closet and say good night to really no one was there. So at about the age of three we asked Kennedy who she was talking to and she said his name is Bob and he lived in the kitchen or he stayed in the kitchen. He was underneath the kitchen table. As she got a little older, she's now seven. I think it was last year. She had not talked about Bob or to Bob in a while. So I asked her where Bob was and why she no longer talked to him. And she said, Nana, don't you know that Bob is dead? He lives in Papa's garden. He comes inside only when he wants to talk to me creepy so i guess we have a residential ghost his name is bob
1: wow that was a good one thank you so much sonia so y'all dear listeners have you ever had any experience similar to that i've had a few i've told you about a few now it's your turn to tell us about a few of them you've been listening to byron and alicia Tune in next time for a helping, heaping handful of hot (laughs) mouth shit. (laughs) Hey, thank you for spending your time with us here at Weird Mountain Gals. We sure do appreciate it. You know, I know time is the most important thing we have. So I promise that if you take your time to listen to us, we'll take our time to continue to be weird. Many thanks to Sunslice Records for all the help. We couldn't do it without you, Craig. Check out our social media for information, community, or a few laughs. WYRD Mountain Gals.